Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast, the only podcast where the guest picks the topic of every single episode. My name is Corey Tyndall, and as always, I am your host. And this week we have a special bonus episode uh, to go along with episode 103, which was on Heartbreak, uh, with, again, Chelsea Lee Truscott. Uh, So she has a podcast called Thank You Heartbreak, which I did uh, in the same week that she did mine. And so it's really kind of a continuation of what we talked about in uh, the kind of an expert episode. Um, We don't talk about the Queen of Hearts podcast as much, but if you enjoyed the episode 103 on Heartbreak uh, with Chelsea, then definitely keep listening to this one. Um, Same as the last one, you can find her on instagram at thank you heartbreak uh that's the show and her personal instagram and as always you can follow me at Corey t comedy on all social media and if you're in new york city every single thursday come to ferns in the east village to watch me and chris Ryder and drex clemens and a ton of other podcast guests do stand-up comedy with that let's get into the episode This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak. And this is episode 245 with Corey Tyndall. If you want to skip this intro where I describe how Corey and I even met, which involves going on a dating game show podcast, go to somewhere around the 15 minute mark. I feel like I'm sounding sweet because how we met is actually a very sweet situation. I have always, 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 always wanted to be on reality TV and in my 20s, I actually really went for it. I almost got on The Bachelor. And then after all that rejection, I thought, well, God, now that I'm in my 30s, it won't take me now. And yet, somehow this summer, lo and behold, things started happening. By things, I mean dreams. I got closer than I've ever been. You know, TLC was calling me. Oh my God, Catfish called me recently, MTV, and there's been some others. The only catch was I needed a man in my life to come on the show with me. And would you believe it? Not everyone is willing to expose themselves on national TV. But in the midst of all of this happening, I did get selected for a podcast by Jujubi, who you may know from RuPaul's Drag Race. And the podcast, it's a dating game show podcast, is called Queen of Hearts. And 
That is exactly how I met my guest today, Corey. Corey is like the rare breed of a man that I've come across in my life that would be willing to put himself out there in this capacity. So on Queen of Hearts, the episode launched, went live today. Our episode is called Breakup Coach Seeks Man Up for the Challenge. Chelsea who is me, is looking for a man who's not afraid of her ambition, her intensity, and her job as a real-life breakup coach. Will any of Jujubee's picks create a spark with Chelsea, or will they burn out? Now, Corey is the one that I chose. We did not get to see each other until the very end, and I will say that Jujubee, I feel like, was always gunning for him. And I think I felt it myself. Supposedly there was something about my reaction. Now she was the one that could see me. No one else could. But when I was listening to the sound bites from him, I really just lit up. And maybe it was the fact that she was saying that he's 6'4", and that once upon a time he put Nutella over a woman's, you know, private area and went to town, which, you know, is a fantasy of mine, which let me tell you the episode on Queen of Hearts, our episode has much to do with sex. I mean, Corey and I had to fill out about 80 pages worth of sex questions. So it's racy. I definitely encourage you to go over and listen. I kind of blacked out through the whole experience. I mean, my adrenaline was up. I was feeling so grateful. I really was feeling like Jujubee had come to save the day. I had expressed to them that I'm always just falling into long distance and that that was happening again and could, you know, the real guns come in and save the day for me. And I have to say, you never know with like producers, right? Like if you're just getting set up, like are they even considering who would be good for you? After meeting Corey, you know, one, on the episode itself, he really, really, again, he could not see me. He really read me correctly. And that was super intriguing to me. And then when we went on the date, because they did grant us a date. Now they don't send many people on dates. They granted us the date. We actually were like following each other to the date. Like he was right behind me. And he lives just a street over from me. So when I told Jujubee that I am addicted to long distance, I really think that she slid in to seriously save the day. Now he's a stand-up comedian, and he also has a podcast of his own. So, I mean, again, check, check. And I think what's been cool about this, that even after the date that we went on, because we have podcasts, we were able to, you know, get to know each other more through being on each other's podcast. And uh, I learned so much from Corey. One thing was, I mean, let me just go back to the date. I remember sitting there, I was about to take off to LA where I was going to be meeting someone that I had been speaking to that would not go on reality TV with me, which was a major red flag in my book. Anyway, and I remember thinking as I was listening to Corey and just seeing how he navigated, you know, the conversation and he just had such ease with him and he can go anywhere and everywhere. I mean, I was really thought to myself, my God, when I fly to LA and I meet this guy that I've been talking to, which was definitely a roadblock, I'm not going to lie. And that's just my own personal thing when I met Corey. But anyways, I was sitting there listening to Corey and I was like, if this guy in LA 
can't flow in conversation and be as open and candid as Corey, I don't think I should follow it. And sometimes, or that's what I hear what dates are supposed to be about. Well, you're supposed to be dating multiple people. So you can kind of gauge what feels right for you, what you want to be sitting across from on a date. So that was our date. And then even better was I went on his podcast and he's an incredible, incredible interviewer. He really is. You should listen to the podcast. Uh, he has an episode coming out with me on there. I actually think I'm going to put it on my feed on Thank You Heartbreak. And it's called Kind of an Expert. This, then he came on my podcast and he was like really an expert in terms of relationships. And I thought, and I just know, it's not even a thought. I just know that this is such a cool way actually to be meeting men and dating potentially. I mean, you know, so often on dates, people are afraid of what they share. They want to kind of share and it kind of microdoses the truth of themselves. And my God, it's like a forbidden rule that anyone talks about their exes, which uh, I kind of counter that. I mean, I think it'd be a red flag if you're just talking about your exes on the first date, for sure. But hearing how someone talks about their exes and talks about their involvement in the relationship really is like gold. I mean, if you want to, like, you're really interested in dating someone, hear what they have to say about their past relationships. Seriously, that's some of my expert advice. But anyway, people will do what they do, trying to make the right impression, yada, yada, yada. But when you have a format, maybe it's like a dating game show or a podcast, I feel like you see another side. And I have experienced what I believe is a genuine side, a side where someone is really able to reveal the reality of themselves. And in listening, especially with the topic of my podcast about heartbreak and relationships and personal growth, it really is a gateway or like a, a what is the word, a, a close look into what someone could really be all about if you were to date them. Beyond that, I think that what I'm always kind of looking for when I'm with a man is not forcing whether I could love this person, but could I learn from them? Could they leave an impact on me? Could they make me pivot in any way? Could they help me rethink or embrace an element of myself? Could they hear me? And maybe what I wasn't saying, could they bring attention to that? Could they play devil's advocate? And I truly love this podcast for that reason. It feels intimate, and I know for myself, it challenges me to, or I at least find myself challenging myself to say aloud the things that kind of I hold shame around or the questions I have about myself, the things that might prevent me from allowing myself to go all in on a relationship. I found myself kind of using the podcast as a way of getting these things out of me, putting it out there and seeing how it lands and getting comfortable with expressing some of the things that I've held inside for a long time in my life. And I think those things really happened in this episode. It's not just for me, but for the listeners, I just know you're going to really absorb a lot of wisdom 
a lot of wisdom in this episode. So it makes me really proud of the whole experience that I had of, you know, taking a chance and going on a podcast that is being produced and has all these backers. And you don't know what's going to happen when there's kind of like this reality show element. You know, are you being set up to fail? Or are they going to expose the raunchiest details about your life? You know, is it an I gotcha moment? And it really wasn't. I was so impressed by how genuine the whole process was and how much I really learned from going on Queen of Hearts about the choices I make and, you know, the perception that others may have of me just from the stories I choose to tell. And so if I can relay any message to you, it would be that, you know, risk a little. Usually when we risk, we're rewarded for that risk. And sometimes the reward doesn't come from Perhaps the original intention of finding the one, but we find someone that helps us get closer to ourselves or helps us understand them. And the more we understand others, the more information and knowledge and openness I believe that we can have toward other people that we will be meeting in our life. And I have to say, you know, the risks that we take don't always have to involve someone else. Sometimes, you know, the risk and the reward that comes from it is just knowing ourselves better or seeing ourselves in a new light and seeing that we can rise to the challenges that we once, you know, either dreamed of for ourselves or didn't happen for ourselves or now can happen for ourselves or we thought we needed to be braver or whatever it is, you know, taking risks helps us expand. So here we go. Let's not have me ramble on for too long. I just hope you enjoy this and definitely go give Queen of Hearts our episode a listen. It's a different side of myself, and I'm sure it's a different side of Corey than um, others are probably used to hearing. There's a lot of personal details that are revealed, but it's a ton of fun. I mean, it was a dating game show. And, you know, as always, thank you for being here, and please rate and review this podcast. It does wonders for the algorithm. And what I want more than anything is for this to reach as many ears that need it as many hearts that are just yearning for conversations of being in the midst of something in the midst of figuring love out even. And speaking of which, as we get into this episode, it really is like being a fly on the wall. I'm someone that doesn't like, you know, tons of, you know, small talk in the beginning. I really cut all that out or don't even engage in it. And we just get straight to the heart of the matter. So when this episode begins, which it's about to, just remember you're, we are getting right into the heart of the matter. And hopefully it will give you an idea of, you know, things that you could just ask. You know, I think sometimes we're so afraid of asking, of engaging in deep talk, thinking it needs, you know, we, we need to take a long time until we get there. But what would happen if you sat down next to someone and you just went where you really wanted to go and you asked the questions that would help you connect and get closer to seeing someone for who they are? And I think that the whole experience of that, and again, just risking it by just going there right now, I think that we're always rewarded for that. So thank you for being here and spending your time 
with us. Oh my God. And spoiler, Corey is single. So if you're in New York City, I definitely recommend, you know, just walk right into his comedy show, his weekly comedy show at Ferns in the East Village. That's just an idea I have that I'm giving to you. Thank me later. I think there is a little bit of this, um, at least in the comedy world, is like comedians used to be able to look super ugly and Mm -hmm. it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter at all. But now you look at like all the comedians that are on like Comedy Central or all this, like they're all kind of starting to get good looking and like we all have to like put fucking lotion on our skin now. It's like we can't look like we just crawled out from under a bridge anymore. In terms of with comedy and like now it matters about looks and stuff. How do you work with that? I mean, men don't just put makeup on their face like women do. Um, bought a watch the other week. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Got it on right here. By the way, I really stop guys about their, like I'll comment on a watch. Okay. I'll comment on That's a watch. That's good to know. Yeah. Because I just don't feel like you see it anymore. They're kind of coming back. Like so many people went towards the Apple watch, which like. I hate the Apple. Yeah. I don't I don't need more notifications on my phone. And then it also I think it looks dumb. I don't so know how they like, can't make it look cooler. I that is a great question. Uh, you sit differently with that watch. I do? Yeah. Interesting. Might be the chair. Because when we did my podcast, it was the couch. It was like much uh, more like a very like different sinking person. and right. I, guys really change. You guys adapt. Like if you have like without facial hair and with facial hair, I feel like you're a totally different. Oh guy. yeah. Oh my God. If I shave my beard, I'll look six years younger for sure. They'll stop. They won't let me into bars if I shave my face. Do you notice that like you, you, you know, receive a different type, you draw on the interests of a different woman, maybe without the facial hair, you bring in girls. Yeah. So I'm going to keep the beard. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I don't know. That's a good, that's a good question. I think I want to give women a little more credit than that. I think women are very good at picking up on overall vibe. And I think the beard fits my vibe. But if I shaved it off, I would still have the vibe, but just look younger and less mature. Well, what is your vibe? I have very, at least I think this, maybe please disagree with me. After you spent this much time with me, I think I have very older sibling vibes. Older sibling. Like what is it? I am a twin sister. So I don't even know what that means. Okay. What does that mean? I think it means that I like, there to be like, I don't like general chaos. Like I like to kind of have like a little bit of a sense of control Mm -hmm. of what's going on. Hence the day job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, But it's like, also like being six foot four, you kind of can't be like spastic. Otherwise people are like, that is a threat. Like that is a problem. If, if I'm like freaking out on the street, like people are going to call the cops. I'm just too big. So I generally have like a pretty calm demeanor. So I think with the beard, it kind of gives like, oh, like kind of uh, a bigger, mature, like just keeping everything calm type of person. If I shave it off, then it's like, all right, who's this young person who thinks they're in charge? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. Feel free to disagree with me. (laughs) Reading into yourself too much. So great to hear that it could be a thing. A calm vibe. I see that. I just, I'm trying to think too, like the, the fact that you might have calming energy. That's interesting. That's an interesting offer. How has that played out? Like have women ever told you that? Oh yeah. Women with high anxiety fucking love me. 
Wow. And it's my my brother too. It's everyone in our family. But so do you do you find yourself more useful when you're with like a woman with high anxiety or because you're cal- like a calm guy like do you want Ooh. that around? That is a good question. Um yeah, I mean I do think people with high anxiety are entertaining on some level. Like they're never boring because they're always thinking about something. They're always, there's always something to talk about because there's always something going on. You know, what's funny is that when I pick guy friends, Uh they are generally very calm. Like a lot of my friends are like engineers, like accountants, just like very kind of calm. None of my friends are in any danger of like dancing on the bar Mm. at a bar. That's Mm. never going to happen. But when it comes to, Women, they're the more anxious type that are kind of all over the place. And I have never really figured out why that difference is there. And don't get me wrong. I get along with everybody. I'm not saying like if a calm woman is. In I just I wonder gonna... if you had like crazy <clears throat> friends, I wonder if you'd want a crazy woman. Maybe it'd be like way too much crazy. I was going to say to the. You're the one with all I, the experience. I feel like those relationships are the ones that blow up like catastrophically. Crazy, <laughs> crazy on crazy. Like no, no, no. I'm saying that like if you had guy friends that were also like high anxiety, and then you're mm-hmm. dating women with that, and you're the only calm one in the bunch, mm. you would probably just like burn out. But like since you have calm guy friends, and that's kind of like the core team. And yeah. then you're dating other women, it's easier to roll the dice with a woman that's a little nuts and like adding some spice <laughs> and like chaos to your life. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good, I'm using my friends as like a balance for my, my crazy girlfriends. Right. That's it. <laughs> Do your guy friends ever comment on your calming nature? Uh, one of them has. And I think he's the one that is kind of the exception to the rule because he has very high anxiety. Um, he was like the other one in our group that he was always worried about everything. And I think he liked our group because all of us were kind of calm except for mm-hmm. him. He could kind of like fit into that role. Cause like in a friend group guys, to your point are very adaptable. Like they will change their personality based on who they're hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he felt comfortable in our friend group because he was a little more anxious and the rest of us were fairly, fairly calm to your point. Like since he was the only one, I was like, Oh yeah, we're having fun. Like he's freaking out. That's okay. The rest of us are all good. (laughs) Right. I mean, I wonder if there's just something in relationships where we end up attracting someone that's not like us because we feel more seen by someone. Maybe that's not like, like if there's like this difference and if they call attention to the fact that you have this calming demeanor and stuff, you feel like, like you said, you're playing a role. Yeah, I guess I don't want to say that I like I have a calming demeanor, but I also like I think I understand anxious people because I think I am fairly anxious about a lot of stuff. But the way that it is like I I bury it. Right. Mm. So I can empathize. And it's not how I it's not how I project myself, Mm. but I do understand what they're going and I see how their anxiety like came from different situations Mm -hmm. and like, especially in dating, if you can kind of like, if you can empathize with them and figure out like, Oh, what was the source of that? And go backwards. Then like it cuts way down on fights. Wow. Cause you're like, Oh no, I know exactly why you feel this way. And 
this is why. So let's actually address that problem as opposed to like just kind of sitting there going like, I don't know why she's so upset all the time. It's like, <laughs> use your brain for a second. I don't know. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, do you ever like tell a woman like in a way, like you think you know where it's coming from or do you kind of like coach it out of them? Is this something that like you figure out together? Do you see it before they do? Like, and what do you do if you see it before someone else does? I think it depends on like the situation, like what are they anxious about? And then who I'm also talking with. Like, like I have some female friends that are very anxious and I just kind of like when they're freaking out, I just kind of like sit there and I'm like, all right, I know why this is happening, but like, I'm going to let them work that one out. But in a relationship, I think I'm much more likely to be a little more forward with like the, like, not even like, I kind of know where it is. It's the old, like, it's kind of the therapist trick of like, ask them what they think the the reasoning is behind it and then lead them to it with your questions as opposed to because generally you can't like like if someone's for instance and this would be an extreme example having a panic attack like if you go up to someone having a panic attack you try to say like no no you're good like you're good nothing's happening it doesn't it doesn't actually do anything it doesn't register they have to get to that feeling by Mm -hmm. themselves and so that's like you kind of it depends on the person and it depends what's going on. Um, I think in a relationship, a lot of times what happens is like the generalized anxiety. If you're able to like pick up on the little things that they're doing, and then you can kind of be like, why are you compulsively doing my dishes? Or like, <laughs> or like trying to figure out, doing my dishes. <laughs> I have like, how dare you ask? I, know, I have a couple happen. of, I have a couple of friends that do it, but it's like, I'm not going to straight up ask that, but like picking up like, oh, that is a reaction to them not being comfortable in my apartment. Wait, wait, wait. There's something like this happened. Can I tell you the story? Please. It's your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start to tell you a story. There was a guy that I was dating that was this method actor. And he basically said like, hey, before I go off to like film this movie, could we do like some improv? Would you would you be up for doing some improv with me? Oh, he said role play, which I conveniently like blacked out. So that was, <laughs> so I read it. I read it as, do you want to do improv for the night during our date? And of course me wanting to be appeasing actually, it was just like, absolutely. Like I'll do anything you yeah. want. And then he comes back within like literally 35 seconds with the whole script. And it was a script about, you know, I was going to be very bored by him. Like he's kind of a pathetic guy, you know, all the reasons for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I kind of feel my aggression or something when we're having sex and um, here's like the safe word. And, and I was just like, wait a second. I told you I don't like aggressive sex. And like the next day you're coming up with a scene just for your improv. Yeah. Like it felt very like he was trying to, trying to get me to do something that I had already said I wouldn't do, but under the, the guise of like, we're doing an improv thing anyways. So I, I told him this and he felt very uncomfortable and we still got together and it was just awkward very tense, very bizarre, the things I was witnessing, but he came back to my place. And when he comes into my place, he sits down on the couch and he starts fidgeting with my TV, mm-hmm. even finding buttons that I didn't even know existed back there. <laughs> like he now, I now don't need a remote because I of him. And I called him out. I said, like, what are you doing? Are you doing that because you're nervous? Yeah. 
And I couldn't believe someone, a grown man coming into my place and the shit that he was doing along the way of me having this conversation, all these fidgety, like, you know, trying to hype himself back up in front of me. He went into a room and was listening to music and like hyping. And it was like, wait, what? <laughs> he's like shadow boxing. Like he's <laughs> slim shady. I, and-, <laughs> and I'm like, hello, I'm out here. I can hear you in there. It was so awkward. And then to see him come into my place and start, you know, playing with my TV and yeah, generalizing anxiety, calling that out. I don't even think it's necessarily like, it sounds like you needed to call him out and I'm, I'm not going to say you did anything wrong. Cause that guy seems, uh, wacky. Um, (laughs) that's not even all of it to say the least. Um, I just mean more like instead of calling it out, just clocking it, like going like, okay, that was a Mm. sign that they're not comfortable. So Mm. I'm going to clock that. How do I make them feel more comfortable? What is the source of them not feeling more yeah, comfortable? So you actually, okay, this is what I've been bad at. Is that part of me has started lacking compassion when I'm dating. Mm. So I'll see something and I'll be like, oh my God, that's insecurity. And instead of having compassion and trying to make someone feel better, and I do to a degree, but rather than really leaning into it and being like, I know exactly what to do. Like, you know, in a lot of situations, it's like, I feel like I have to become smaller A lot of guys like discomfort has been in me getting any attention or anything, you know? So it's like, I remember that from back in the day and I would just become small because I didn't want them to feel that they were less than, or that I was interested in other people, any of these things. So I would adapt to it. And I just realized like the ways in which you can lose yourself to them. And also I think that I've been kind of crueler because I'm like, I cannot believe I'm in this situation again, or I'm like, dude, I don't want to fall for this. Like I be, I push it away really fast rather than being like, wait, I'm getting to know someone. This is what dating is about. You know, maybe stop jumping the gun and let people unfold in front of me. But I like, am so, I feel like I've become really harsh about someone unfolding in front of me. Hmm. Do you think that's like just being jaded after I, I don't even know what that word means because I've heard so many people use it and I've always been like, huh? Like that could never be me. Like, and I just always just clocked it as if I will never have to say that, but I don't even know what it means. And if I apply to it, what does it mean? It kind of means at least this is the way that I meant it. Some nerd online might tell me I'm wrong, but just like, it's a natural thing. And it's just like, I mean it as like, as you do anything, you get quote unquote, like better at it Mm. and you could pick up on, Mm. on certain things. But what happens is you get more hardened Mm. to things going wrong Mm. and like, you know, like setting up the audio system or whatever. If you did it every day for like a month and then I came in here and started fucking everything up, you'd be like, what are you doing? Like, but because like we were both trying to figure it out before this podcast, you were like much more patient with me. Like, fucking around with the tripod or like something like that. Like I also you, felt helpless. You were <laughs> no, but it's because you weren't, you weren't jaded to the fact that like in dating, you know, like where the flags are, you know, where the pitfalls are. Mm. And so you just kind of naturally. And I mean, you in the broad sense, everybody, as they do more and more stuff, they get like hardened to people not being able to keep up. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think you just need to like find someone who can like what I was saying, like clock you doing that yeah, and say like, 
okay, hold on. Like, <laughs> like this was a little thing. You got to like figure out like, are they unraveling in this moment because something happened or is this going to be a pattern or like, cause I agree. You can't like, it is something to flag. Yeah. I mean, basically it's being like responding versus being like reactive. And I like the idea of not having to call someone out every time you see something. Yeah. It's definitely a lot to think about. I mean, I definitely, no, I just definitely like, well, I, great podcast. No, uh. I mean, no, I love getting, I, again, I love having men on because I feel like they really make me think about what's happening. One thing is it sounded like you could be more patient with your friends. Like you could let them just mm. kind of come into their own thing at their own time. But with a woman, you might want to help her along faster or you're not just, you know, like, yeah. And so a lot of women, you know, feel like men are always trying to fix them or yeah. save them. And I think that there's probably a subtle way of doing it in a way that maybe when someone gets hardened a little bit, they're like, come on, like, I can see it for you or like, just get there. Yeah. One, it just like the fact that I think it's interesting that with friends, you can take a backseat and kind of like not feel impatient with them, really. Yeah. Like you have more patience with friends than someone, you know, and love is supposed to be about patience. I think I might have less patience with friends. Really? Am. Yeah, I'm reverse sexist. Um, no, I think, I think that if, like maybe part of the reason I don't have a ton of chaotic, anxious friends is because I don't feel like I have time for them. Like you think about how often you see your friends and you're like, all right, that's like once a week. So if I hang out with John once a week and he's like acting weird and it happens like three out of every four weeks, then I'm going to be like, what is going on here? Like, I don't want to be friends with this person because every time I see them, but if I have a significant other that I see, three or four times a week and they're acting weird two or three times, mm -hmm. then I'm much more likely to be patient with them in kind of a, um, patient like with who the girlfriend, the okay. significant other, um, because I can see one more of the picture mm. and I guess they like, I don't know. I, I feel, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know why exactly I would be more patient with a girlfriend, probably because it, like they're more serious, right? Like my best friends I'm patient with, but like when you're developing a new friendship versus developing a new relationship, if a guy is weird, like two times in a row, I'm like, you're gone. Right. But like with a, with a girl, I'm like, okay, no, I'll, I'll give him another chance. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me about it too is like, it seems like you bring in like a girlfriend so much closer, a relationship so much closer. Yeah. So in a way it's like someone could get their standards so high. And I think maybe that's what I'm experiencing is that it's kind of like, you don't want them maybe to have a problem. You want them to kind of be over this or like, you know, they're more absorbed in your life. So if they're bringing this energy in, is it kind of like, Whoa, you're in my life a lot. And you're always kind of, something's always up. Like you're starting yeah. to impact me. Like, how do you have someone you know, someone is off, like they're going through things in their life or they're responding to things in ways that you wouldn't respond in the same way. How do you not let it impact you? And you start mirroring their energy. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It wears on you. And that's like the, I think my last two relationships kind of just wore down. Like there was no big 
blow up or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was really just like both of them had like issues with anxiety and depression and it just like wore on me. Mm. And mm. like, I don't think they're bad people. It's just like, it got to the point where I was like, I've got my own problems. And I think when it got to the point where I felt like I needed to break up with them. Cause I I'm the one that broke up with both of them. I think it was a stressful time in my life where I was like, I can't handle myself and you at the same time. But at the same time as that, I had this realization after the last relationship is that there is emotional space in a relationship. And if one person is not filling that space, the other person will completely fill that space. And so when I was dating someone who had like anxiety problems and depression problems, I would kind of feel like, oh no, I can't put my problems on them because right. they have their own problems. Even if it was just like, you know, what what annoying thing happened on the train or whatever. And so I always kind of took a backseat and let them talk to me. And what what I realized I was doing, and this is 100% my fault, is I was creating a vacuum in the emotional space of our relationship to the point where they would fill it. And that's what was wearing down on me is I felt like I didn't have any space but I never told them that I didn't have any space mm-hmm. and I never took any of that space. I just let them have it and then let it slowly wear on me. So as I like date or like try to find another relationship, it's something that I'm aware of is like, Hey, the other person, even if they have these issues, like it's not a problem for them to hear about your issues. You don't have to be like the stoic, like never anything wrong type of person for this person who has these issues to still like you. So it's. Mm. Or in a way, it's like I would feel like it'd be a good testing you know, strategy. Is this person only absorbed within themselves? Right. You know, it's something I've talked to my twin sister about, you know, dating someone and she's just dumping on him the whole time about her job. And she thinks because he's like boring, doesn't like to talk that it's okay. It's like, yeah. wait a second, like, because I've seen it with clients where like they would talk about these women, their girlfriends calling them up and just dumping forever. Yeah. And maybe they'd have 10 minutes at the end, but by the time that they got to him, he was so exhausted by it. And you're also, it's kind of like, just you feel defeated that yeah. he didn't want even to take up the space. But in, in some ways it was convenient for him in a certain way to be in a situation like that. I think it's important to see with people, even if they have something in their life, do they still remember that you're in the room? Actually, you know, they're not just taking from you, that they want to still show up for you and go out of their way to, in some regards that, Hey, they're in a bad place. They realize that you're sticking around for it and that it's not the greatest energy. And this is what I'm going to do to show that I have gratitude to you for, you know, sticking by me and for even you know, taking in, this is what I really realized about dating. Like, thank you for even taking in my stories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we should all be thanking each other. After. I mean, thank you for like sticking around and deciding to witness me. Yeah. To that point, this wasn't my last relationship, but the one before it, like it got to the point where I had to text her and be like, Hey, I can't like, please don't text me during the work day anymore. Because like she would hit me up like, two hours into the day with like whatever problem was happening. And it would just like keep going day in and day. I was like, I can't deal with this at work. 
And she was like, so I can't text you at all. And I was like, I don't know. Like, can you, it's like, it's such a hard conversation to have Oh my god! to be like, I, I can't deal with you during the daytime. Um, now were the conversations leading up to that, like where you were saying like, Hey, like when I get these messages from you, it kind of makes me, it impacts me during the day and it's been hard. Like, did you ever give her feedback? Um, to be honest, I don't remember, but knowing myself four years ago, I'm going to say probably not like probably not in the way that I should have. And that's kind of what I was talking about before. Like all of my exes would ask like, how's your day? And my, my response would be, it was, it's fine. And give like a two sentence thing of like, Oh yeah, I did this, this and this. And then that was it. And then, but like they would want to fill up the time. And so they would find things to fill up the time. And it always led down to, complaining about something and to your point like i should have i probably could have been more diplomatic about it i probably wasn't now what would have been like the best alternative like in a perfect world someone's on a good place you know you're not having a easy time opening up when someone says you know how was your day you're kind of basic about it like how could someone have gotten more out of you during that time i don't think they could have honestly I think to the point that I was kind of making in the beginning of like my overall vibe, I think I put myself into that role sometimes in relationships where like, I feel like it's not my job to be the one that is complaining about this or that, or like, it's like, that's not my role per se, like in quotes, it's not my role. Um, And so as I've gotten older, I've realized like, that's a dumb fucking thing to do. Uh, but at the time, I don't think I, I don't think I realized that. And it's funny. I don't know if it's genetic or just the way that we were raised, but I know that my dad does this because like my stepmom was complaining. This was a couple of years ago was complaining that like she was out of town and he had to go to the doctor for like throat issues. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like had nodules or something. And he like had this whole thing for like three weeks and he never told her and that like freaked her out. And in his mind, he's like, Oh no, I don't want to worry her with this stuff. But in her mind, it's like worse because in the long run, she'll start to feel like what else is he hiding Hiding. in terms of, so it's kind of like, it's not that I was necessarily like hiding issues that were going on with me. Like I wasn't, and I didn't like, you know, break my leg and not tell them for a couple of weeks or anything like that. But it was more just like, no, no, no. My role in this relationship is to kind of be the sounding board. And like, I can deal with my own problems over here. I don't need their help. Yeah. I mean, it seems convenient for you at a certain time in your life. You know, I feel like if there's a history of choosing relationships like that, there has to be something appealing about a relationship that calls upon less in you like having to reveal yes like you're an important part of their life because you're there for them by just listening and going with it but if they're not placed to be interested in you right and what it sounds like to be you that part is missing and so it seems like it was convenient at times in your life it worked to just be this role where like you're a calm presence but you can be a calm presence and also not be with someone that complains Yeah, because they value calm in their life. Like I, or I just see it now. Like I can't, 
be with someone that's like ungrateful all the time. Like that runs sure. so counter to who I've developed myself to be, you know, like it just, it's, why would I put myself, why would I be fighting against myself anymore? I remember like in a certain relationship and I was like, whoa, it's so amazing that I've overcome my ways, that I'm not repeating the same things. I'm not complaining about my life, that I'm not being depressive, but I was with someone who I loved, but what was revealed over time when, you know, like the endorphins of love go away is that he was the biggest complainer. I always wanted to hear every mm. man's thoughts. I was like, oh my God, there's no filter. This is so uncomfortable. Like if his stomach growls, if someone parked too close to him, every little thing. <laughs> and I was just like, what am I doing? I overcame it. And now I'm inviting the person that's closest to me in that I want compassion for, that I want to be passionate towards. I'm inviting an older version of myself. Like that means I haven't actually grown beyond this. Mm. Because I feel like if I've grown beyond this, then I'll have clients that do that. But in my personal life, which is like that person's in my ear and it's a reflection of who I am, I would stop inviting people in that bring out the helper in me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's all about moderation on some level, right? Like you don't want someone because it sounds like you like to help. So you don't want to be with someone who never wants your help because yeah. then you're like, I think you That's would find true. that as a boring relationship. And like I, and I think I'm the same way. You don't feel like, yeah. Like people like to, like I was, Oh, this was a while ago. It was like, right when I first started dating somebody, um, it was like a late night. I was like, should we like order Taco Bell or something to get delivered? And yeah. she was, she was like, Oh no, I got food in the fridge. And I was like, no, no, no. let's just like, yeah. let's just order something. And, I ended up not ordering something, but I found out the next morning that like she wanted me to try the food that she had made. Say that. Right. And that's like, <laughs> and I made fun of her in the morning. I was like, oh, if you told me that you want, I, yeah, I would have done that. But it's like, if she completely ignored that part of her, if she had allowed me to ignore that part of her, mm -hmm. then she would have been disappointed. Like she wanted to share that. But if I wasn't the type of person that wanted to try what she wanted to share, right. then that part of her, like that part of her personality wouldn't have been able to be, feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, I think that's a, a comparison to what you were saying earlier. It's just about, you can't, at least I believe you can't have, you can't be with somebody who completely takes advantage of that. Where like, that's the, that's the biggest part of your relationship. It could be part, but like, as long as it doesn't overtake everything, right? Moderation. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> the standout word. Oh my God. Do I sound like such an extremist? No, no, no. It's hard. Like it's so hard. There's no, cause there's no right answer Yeah. for anybody. It's all theorizing. Yeah. It's just like, and it's so dependent on whoever you're talking to. Like I'm a fairly helpful person, but there's some people like as soon as they start complaining, I'm like, I do not want to hear it from you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so good. Again, standards. Standards. Do you feel like you know what you're looking for? So if if you saw someone that was moderately appealing, would you go for it? Or would you be like, No, I know what I'm looking for. That just doesn't seem it. I think I would have to I would have to go for it. Cause I think that like my, my general life philosophy 
revolves around the idea. And this has been like, there are studies like psychology studies that have proven this a few times is that people are very bad at knowing what's going to make them happy. Mm. Um, and I know we talked about this, but not on Say it again. microphone. People are very bad at knowing what's going to make them happy, but they're very good at knowing what's going to make them not happy. And really the reason, and it's like 50, 50 for guessing like, okay, this like coming and recording this podcast, it's 50, 50, whether it's going to make me happy or not. However, because avoiding something or doing something that's going to make you not happy is in it of itself a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if, if I didn't know if coming to this podcast was going to make me happy, if I get hit by a car on the way here. If I like fell down the stairs on the way up here or something like you that. You hated talking to me. I hated talking to you, which like this would be a wild time for me to realize I hated talking to you after we've already talked for like really oh. six hours. It's like, this would not be the inflection point that <laughs> so would have happened. I thought I was still <laughs> having to work for it. Okay. No. Um, but if like, I knew that not coming to do the podcast was going to make me unhappy. So mm. on that risk adjusted basis, I should do the podcast because I know that not doing it is going to make me unhappy. Mm. I don't know if doing it is going to make right. me happy or not. So I should go do it. And I think if you apply that attitude towards like dating and relationships, like I have an idea of what I want to find in a person, but I also have to sit here and acknowledge that like there's a 50 50 chance I'm completely wrong. When I'm dating somebody, I have to look at them and look at it you know, date by date in the beginning. And then as you get to know someone, you kind of look at it like week by week and then like month by month. But it's like, wow. you always have to ask yourself, would continuing to see this person make me unhappy? If the answer is no, or you can reverse it and say, would not seeing this person make me unhappy? And if the answer is yes, then keep seeing them. It doesn't matter like whether they fit your original idea of what you thought you were compatible with, because like nobody's met every single personality type and can sit down and be like, Nope, that one works. That one works. That one doesn't, that one doesn't like you figure it out over time, but there's so many different types of people that I've never met before. Like I can't write off everyone else because there's one person I know that I'll get along with. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. That makes sense to me. I mean, no, it does. But asking yourself the question of like, if I weren't to see that person again, would it make me unhappy? I feel like what I've had to do is I have to be beyond that. Like, I feel like I can't ask myself that question because if I were to say, yeah, it's going to make me unhappy if I don't talk to him, it almost feels like weak to me. I'm just like, I have to mm. stop that. I have to be happy with or without them. Like, it might be pain. I don't know. It just, I might never let go of someone. If I ask myself that question, Are you kidding me? I think that's also it is if I ever always looked to say, would it make me unhappy if I wasn't going to speak to him again? It's almost always going to make me unhappy. Like that's who I am. Like I have to, like, that's <laughs> like, I romanticize everyone that I'm with. And it's sure. But there's other parts of it too, right? Like after breakup, I never like, I don't hate any of my, exes and like yeah it made me a little bit unhappy to never speak with them again but would it make me more unhappy to like continue to have to deal with all of their issues like yeah wow. and that's the point that it got to where it's like you have to weigh the different 
pieces of your life. And that's why like relation ending breakups, divorce, like it's so hard because you have to like lay everything out on the table and be like, all right, well, how much do I dislike this versus how much do I like I've this? I've never laid it out on the table. But I <laughs> never... Why do you why do you think it's weak? I think that there's a part of me that's like one maybe like scared of my like lows. Mm. and um, like don't want to see myself get there again. So I'm like, I don't like let myself go too far. Like, I think that's part of maybe I have, like, I want to allow all the feelings, but I'm also afraid of what happens when I really feel it all. It seems, it seems yeah. hard, you know? Um, and then maybe weak because like, Dude, why did I let myself get so invested? Why did I why did I let my happiness become so much of, of them? Like and because I've been so long now, I feel like with these like microdosing on exchanges with people that I've discovered, you know, for the first time I have evidence of discovering how to be happy with myself amongst people that aren't promising me anything. How have I learned to be happy without attaching to people? I'm the big, I, I fucking crave intimacy. It's me at my best. How have I been without that? And so I think I've just seen the side of myself and remember the other side that used to always hold on to people. Mm-hmm. And like they were my one chance at happiness. Now I, it's because I look at things in extremes. I know that there's like a happy medium, but I lean now more toward like the overcorrecting maybe of, I don't want to be unhappy be someone is in my life or not. Yeah. Well, I I think the two are kind of connected, right? Because on the one hand, you're saying that like you have been able to find happiness in yourself without other people, but at the same time, you don't want to experience the lows of losing the person that was driving your happiness. And I think that one of the ways that you could see it as you like have matured and gotten to the point where you can be happy by yourself is that you won't experience those lows anymore because instead of the low, your new baseline is that you're happy with yourself. Like you can be happy with someone else, but if it does end, your lows aren't as low anymore because now you know how to be happy with yourself. And that's now the baseline level of happiness that you're going to have. I felt it this last time. And I was like, I think that maybe the emotion that I felt is a little bit of guilt. Wow. Look at me bouncing back like that. Yeah. I realized that I didn't react like I had in the past with people I dated and it was an impressive moment, really, after I had felt like heartbreak had really hit me last year. And it wasn't just like him. It was like what he represented and how I looked at my life. And it was just horrible. I just can't get over what I went through. I did get low. I got low in a really different way, in a yeah. way that really, really woke me up. What is always just weighed on me is like feeling like I'm not where I want to be yet. Or like I have these qualities that are just lazy. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. It's tough. Because you want to be like your own perfect person, right? Like you want to bring the best version of yourself. Or thinking I need to in order to have right. someone that would really commit to me. Yeah. I would want. Yeah. But like nobody's ever the best version of themselves. 
Or if they are, they don't even realize it yet. It's like the person who peaked in high school, whatever. That's what I said. I I always say I peaked at 10. You peaked at 10? I peaked at 10. uh, You're the popular kid. You're like. No, I was like, I mean, I was being signed away to modeling agencies, working, being photographed by the best. I say like, this is a big thing that I really want to address with myself in terms of like what it's done to me. And, and it's just ridiculous to say, but kind of like this celebrity around you at a young age, then it ending and people still seeing that in, in me, like just being approached about th- people thinking I have all this potential. Like, am I an actress? Am I a model? Like all these things, like thinking I'm so big and I'm not and what that feels like. And then I'm in relationships where guys are like, you're treated like a celebrity and that's a negative, you know, it affects them because they feel small or it's like, they're like, you're, you should be a star already. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) They're like, or, or they're like, you didn't get the audition. Like I'm shocked. Or like, let me hook you up with another guy. They can give you a better job. Yeah. And it just, it's just, it just feels like, well, that's, that's the guys trying to be fixers. Like that is, that is the natural thing that we all want to do. All men want to like see problem, fix problem. I know. And I, you know, I like the help Yeah, and sometimes you can like the enthusiasm, but it feels like on the other side of it, it's like what I feel deep inside. I'm like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't, I don't accept myself either. I hate it too. And it's like, that's what they're (laughs) saying to me. And it's so, it brings up so much anxiety in me. Yeah. So I feel like it'd be so nice for someone to acknowledge the struggle that I already feel, but not try to rush me along and be proud of what's now. Yeah. That's the part I think a lot of guys have issues with, and I definitely did in college at least. And I've kind of grown out of it is just like uh, your girlfriend isn't your project to work on. Guys take like the, oh, we're a team. Like they take that very seriously. And like with guy teams, like you think about a football team, like if the person next to you is like not doing his job, like you yell at him, you fix it. That's something that's like you fix it immediately. And women don't think that way. And they need a little bit more time. And like, if you feel like your girlfriend like should be doing better Mm -hmm. or something along those lines, like, they know you guys know, like, I think all women know nobody's sitting at home and going like, Oh, my life sucks. And I don't know how to make it better. Like everybody logically knows how to make their life better. You eat a fucking salad once a week. You go for a run every once in a while. You like journal, you have a creative outlet. Like everybody knows logically, but it's like getting to the point where you feel like, no, no, I have to do this. And Mm -hmm. I think the best way to do that in a relationship as the guy is to start doing it yourself. And it's not necessarily like shaming them, but when you're in a relationship and you like spending time with that person and you pick up this hobby of like, let's say your, your girlfriend is overweight and you like want her to lose a bit of weight, then like start doing exercise yourself and like invite her to come along or like they'll want, and this works for like girls to guys too. This isn't like, But if you just like sit there and like tell them like, Hey, I want you to lose weight. She's going to sit there and be like, yeah, no shit. Me too. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Soft support is Mm. what I call that. Soft support. 
Dude, you're good. I remember when <laughs> I remember when the host Juju B was. I, it's coming yeah. back to me just really fast. Something that's coming back is she was really selling you the idea of you being this guy that was looking for someone that liked to support them and like they would be the dream team or something in their own right. But like <laughs> looking for a woman that's like on her way up as well. I feel yeah. like that's what she was really like leading with about you. Yeah, I mean it's not untrue. I like I do want. I, it was more than I don't want. I'm not looking for someone that's looking to settle down. And I think that's what happens to me a lot. You could have said that. That's I might've said that. I didn't know they were recording and going to use all oh the my stuff. God, of all, yeah, she didn't play like, that clip. No, but it was like, I'm not looking for a woman that wants to settle down. No, 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 not, not, not settle down. I'm talking like, I don't, I'm not looking for someone that's like looking to move to the fucking suburbs and have kids right away. Like, I don't mind. I like, I'm open to like a serious relationship. It's just like, you have to remember being from the Midwest. Like I'm an old man when it comes to, I don't have a family. I don't have like, I don't even have a girlfriend. If I was back in Michigan at 28 and had no girlfriend, like my grandmother tried to set me up on a date the other week. This is like, (laughs) it's just like, no, I'm doing okay. This is is not how the East coast works. Like I have plenty of time out here. And I think that's, that's where that came from to, tell her is like, it's not that I'm not looking for a relationship, but like someone who is like a partner and like understands what I'm trying to go for. And what I've found is like, if my partner is also trying to go for something, everything that I just said about like soft support will work on me too. If my partner is also really like trying to do something, it's going to motivate me. And I'd like, I am still at the point in my life where I want to be motivated and I can help motivate them. And it's a push and pull, but I, I, I've been around long enough. I've had enough relationships to know that it's not a push and pull, like a sports team right. where you're like literally pushing and pulling Competing each other. with each other. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Juju B sold me the wrong way. <laughs> she did. She put a false idea of you in my head. Oh my God. <laughs> Look how that happened. It was a game of telephone. I know. Wow. There you go. Producers. All right, where can everyone find you? Um, at Corey T Comedy on all social media. Um, if you're in New York City, I run a weekly show at Ferns in the East Village at First and Tenth called Ope, a comedy show, um, showcase style show. It's me and a co-producer every week, and we always get a new lineup on. Um, and every ticket comes with a free drink. It's a lot of fun. It's a really cool bar. Um, and then my podcast called Kind of an Expert where Chelsea came on and we talked about, we talked more about the podcast. If you came here yeah. looking for the queen of hearts podcast breakdown, Ugh, go shocking. over to my podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, you asked very great it. questions. You're great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. I loved that one. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. You're a great amazing. guest. No, you're great. All right. Perfect. Awesome. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea. 
C-H-E-L-S-E-A at breakupward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D dot com. And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.